All right, all right, all right. <laughs> That's not going to be your thing now, is it? No. Just seen a match McConaughey there on the TV last night. It just kind of came into my head again. When did like he start? Uh, when did he start being beloved by the public? Wasn't he? Was he not liked for a while, and then he started to be liked? Or am I wrong about that? I'm not very good on the kind of uh, the public relations of actors, <laughs> uh, or even who Matthew McConaughey is. What's what? he from? You don't know Matthew McConaughey? I know the name. Oh, he was in uh, that series uh, that was in the South. That was kind of dark and uh, yeah, anything in the South. He was what well, uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Mud, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. I think that was towards the, the good stage of the career. I think before that, he's been like teen teen movies or whatever. Anyways, somewhere along the line, he said, "All right, all right, all right." <laughs> and I seen him on the TV last night. But no, it's not going to be my thing. That's that's the once off. How are we? How are you? How are we doing? Yeah, I'm alright. I'm doing. Yeah, doing good. Your sound I'm is uh, your sound is good today. I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll give you a pass today. Yeah, I'm down the country. I'm uh, doing a bit of writing and I have converted their house into numerous different studios. One here for the sound. I have another one downstairs going with the Instagram stuff. But uh, yeah, I suppose when you're forced into somewhere else and you have to make, make it work, sometimes you figure out ways. Cool. Good job. So... What's new? So today we're going to talk about upward spirals. That's where we kind of left off the last day. What what does that mean? I know what a downward spiral is. Well, at least I think I do. What's an upward spiral and how might it relate to what we're doing? Right. So, yeah. So last week we said we were going to delve into this notion of upward spirals a bit today. Really, the notion of an upward spiral, just like a downward spiral, is a kind of heuristic, right? It's a It's a kind of... Uh, maybe going back to that notion of simplexity, it's a simple term to capture something that's actually probably a lot more complex. But I think when you're starting to introduce it, it's useful to take a couple of steps back and talk about what's the kind of basis for these upward spirals. I should just say as a kind of you know basic introduction, it's effectively the inverse of a downward spiral right so we all kind of have an intuitive sense of what a downward spiral is and an, up, an upward spiral is, is really just the opposite of that but so is it a, a term that you use in a system theory or where is it coming from no i can't remember exactly where i've heard the term and it's probably used technically in various domains i would imagine the way i'm using it it, I'm using it because it seemed to work well within the EBD framework. I actually first heard it, I think, in a podcast. Oh, I'll get I'll get the name of the book uh, or the guy who was on the podcast. Maybe we could add it to the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to the non-existent show notes. That's true. <laughs> Someday I'm just going to have to... We mentioned this before. Listen to every podcast. By <laughs> Listen to every podcast. If you're just joining us, this is the Salt Podcast, and we will eventually get to show notes. In the absence of that, uh, try and stick with us. This is a. I, I I have started to assemble some stuff, and I know on your Instagram, we uh, yeah. we have some links that, that all of this stuff's going to be up there. So the Instagram is Eco Behavioral Designs. 
And if you go there at the moment, you'll have links to the to the podcast. And have you got the links to the stuff I'm yep. doing, the game planning up there yet? I set it up the other day and it should be working. It seems to be working. So we're using the link tree, which is basically you have a single link and that accesses um, a few other links. But then when I logged on, say on the desktop, just to check it, it wasn't working for me. And then I was wondering maybe there's something because I'm trying to link to my own link. Um, so you can maybe have a look after this and see if it is working. Yeah, okay. All right, we'll have it sorted. By the time you listen to this, it'll be sorted. So jump on and you can check. There won't be show notes probably up there at this stage, but we'll get them up there at some stage. Anyways, go on. Well, yeah, I can give you the name of the podcast I was listening to. It was the Emerge podcast. Oh, okay, yeah. A decent podcast, but I can't remember the guy he was talking to. But the guy he was talking to, I think that's where I first heard mentioned upward spirals, but he was talking about going out into nature, right, and messing around with stones, I believe, and kind of manipulating water in a particular way where you could generate this particular kind of, I suppose, flow of water. So I guess it can be used in a lot of different ways. But the idea of a spiral, right, is just that there's some continuity uh, and something that maybe in a sense starts off and has this kind of trace or leaves a trace and you can see some sort of relationship between one thing and something that's distal, right? But yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, say, maybe the kind of, say, fundamentals of why it sits well within this perspective and then we can get into upward spirals in and of themselves. Okay. So the first thing that's useful to understand is the relationship between action, so activity, behavior, even affect, right, feeling or emotion or even language, anything that we say in some sense do, right? And what I talk about is, as frames. I think you mentioned the notion of sense-making frames before. You did, yeah. Basically, frames for short. And frames are, are like say, the background within which action takes place. And we can have individual frames and we could have participatory frames. So to give a quick example of a participatory frame, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it's it's probably interesting and it kind of situates our understanding of action, right? So me and you having this conversation right now are having it in the context of, say, nested frames, right? So one being that we're doing a podcast, Right. Another being that me and you are brothers. Another being that we're doing a podcast as brothers in the context of a shared interest in jujitsu, you might say. Any of anything that takes place herein, right, is framed against all of those contexts. Right. We mightn't think about it all the time, right? But all of those things form the background for whatever it is that's going on herein. Does that make sense? Yep. You don't seem too convinced. I do, yeah. I'm just drawing like bigger frames to smaller frames. And we're in currently, as we talk, we're in this, this the smallest frame. And like you say, you can go out or even like if you think about it as circles, I imagine we're in the small circle here uh, in this very moment, but they're like concentric circles further and further out from us. Right. So our activity, in some sense, takes its meaning right, the, the kind of meaning of our action or our affect or whatever it is that's going on, um, whether it's in the relationship between us or say if I was acting on my own, you know, apart from this present relationship, 
it takes its meaning from its contextualization within all of those things that are going on. Right, right out to what Paul Tillich, the theologian, talks about as the as the the ultimate environment, right? Everybody has a kind of ultimate environment, which is the broadest possible frame within which they make sense of their action, right? For a lot of people, this is something like religion, right? Because it it addresses the broadest possible concerns in a sense, right? Death and birth and so on. So, but, you know, other people, it might be politics, other people, it might be sports, other people, it might be just consumerism, Right. You know, you're, you needn't have a kind of religious frame necessarily or whatever the case may be, but we all have these frames, right? And they effectively f- form the background to our action. But we don't just have these frames and they kind of push or motivate or, you know, induce action, right? Because they're, they're kind of the context and they're, in some sense, the, uh, the mold or the, uh, what's the right word? This, the kind of set of constraints that are motivating the kinds of actions that actually manifest. When we act, we also feed back into the frames in a sense, right? So me and you, as we act here, we're informing what it is that frames future um, podcasts, relationships between us, right? Whatever we do now changes, however subtly, how we think about podcasting. It also changes our relationship as brothers, right? It also changes our relationship as brothers, our podcast relationship as brothers with a shared interest in jujitsu. And that goes kind of right the way out, right? So me and you having this kind of conversation here now changes podcasting in some sense, right? It might be trivially, but we're adding to the whole kind of, say, broader participatory frame that a lot of people share that is podcasting. Does that Mm. make sense? Yep. Right, so this kind of relationship between frames and action is important to kind of get a grasp on, right? Because things like habits are what we might talk about as frames at very short timescales, right? So when I act in a particular way, I make sense of my action within my existing set of habits. And when I act it organizes my dispositions to act in a certain way, right? So I'm creating the frame. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that functions at a few different timescales, right? So it functions in a way that I create habits, right? Which can be very short, short, say, behaviors at short timescales. I also kind of organize, now this this could get very technical and I'm not going to go there, but the there's kind of networks of habits, right, that get a, some sense of closure and they can be something like a routine, right? So, you know, you have a routine, for instance, when you towel yourself dry, that's relatively invariant, right? Every time you towel yourself, there's something that's recognizable about it from the previous time, uh, even if there's some variation within it. And every habit is like that, right? There's always some sort of variation or slight improvisation within it. And, so you have, say, simple habits, you have networks of habits, then maybe you have something like networks of networks, and then you have, say, it scales up, right? The frames are getting bigger and bigger and including more. But we can still recognize within each of them at any level some degree of invariance, right? There's some sort of signature or characteristic that we can go, that's a frame, right? So, you know, an identity, somebody has an identity, 
is a kind of like network of networks of habits, right? But it's relatively reliable in the sense where, you know, somebody reliably acts in a certain way, right? They have a particular style of action. So we're saying action organizes frames, which organize action. But when we kind of say gather them together, a lot of little habits, we create larger frames and so on. So that that understanding in itself should be powerful, right? When we think about acting, because now we're saying, right, we're not just acting when we act, right? We're kind of organizing ourselves to act when we act. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like to, to I said, I talk about acting as when we act, we act on the conditions to act. So if we think about a downward spiral, right? And think about what happens in a downward spiral. So when I say take some course of action, my action can bring about a certain frame, right? I just, I do something, maybe it wasn't all that healthy for me. And now all of a sudden I find myself in a different frame, right? So maybe I'm, for instance, you know, to use the classic example, I'm an alcoholic and I haven't drank for a while, right? And I feel, uh, you know, I feel the, the urge to drink and I drink. And all of a sudden, right, having, having had the drink, I now occupy a different state where I feel maybe guilty about having drank, right? So the act of drinking opens up a kind of different frame. All of a sudden, I occupy that frame. And that frame has a sense of guilt attached to it, right? And because I feel guilty, I feel worse about myself and so on. And maybe then I just start to drink more. And then I start, then I get into a kind of, you know, nihilistic space where I'm feeling worse again. And I kind of like, well, fuck it, you know, and I just start drinking again. You know, that's the kind of classic downward spiral, right? And that can happen quite quickly. But then there's the downward spiral that happens over a longer and longer time scale, right? So if you do that often, and regular, regular enough that it in and of itself is kind of leading to these kinds of breakdowns at longer timescales too. So there's a sense in which, you know, you do this often enough, the kind of more fundamental frames that form the base of your identity, they're also kind of spiraling down and down and down, just maybe at, slower, uh, at a slower rate. And then you hit, maybe eventually you hit rock bottom, right? Because there's nowhere else to go. And when you hit rock bottom, actually rock bottom is a good, a good example, right? Because when you hit rock bottom, something happens. Normally, maybe you're faced with kind of impending debt, for instance. And debt can be a very interesting, I suppose, a lens through which to view your life. All of a sudden, things come into view. And maybe quite often that's accompanied by some sort of uh, say revelation, and that revelation then sometimes can serve as the impetus towards an upward spiral, right? All of a sudden, you see your life as being meaningful because maybe you know you recognize the impact you're having on other people or whatever the case may be. And then the upward spiral functions, say, like I said, inversely to the downward spiral, where I act in a certain way, right? It brings about, uh, say a new frame, when I act through that frame, 
it brings about an, an additional frame and I'm now on an upward trajectory where you know my action is leading to this kind of state of positive affect and because I feel positive about myself I act in positive ways so the idea upward spiral really is or what we should be thinking about right when we think about upward spirals is you know how do I say organize my environment to kind of instigate or inspire or motivate motivate these upward spirals as much as possible right because much like the downward spiral the upward spiral functions at longer time scales too right so i can have a great day right and things are say on the up for me in the same way or in the in the inverse way that i can have a terrible day and it was just a shit day something about going to bed maybe resets a little bit and you get up the next day and you have a new opportunity Right, but you can have a great day where you know good things are happening. You feel good about yourself, but we all know that could be followed potentially by a bad day or whatever. But what we're trying to do is say manifest enough of these upward spirals in the short term that over the longer term too, there's this kind of upward trajectory as well for ourselves, whether that's say for our health, or kind of resilience, or maturity, or um, you could probably collect all of those things and throw them into the notion of development, right? Are we kind of developing as adults in a positive fashion? Do you you reckon, and is this part of what you're saying, that the spiral in either direction gathers momentum? Is that what you're trying to do? Is like, like you think of, you know, a spiral or you think of like water swirling in in a a cup or, or a glass as you swirl it around. Are you trying to have a number of these, Say, if, you know, trying to use it with the positive example, a number of positive ones in the short term that the momentum will pick up and, and kind of drive you on? Or can the, do you reckon they could be interrupted at any stage in any direction with the same kind of weight? You know, like yeah. if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're on the trajectory of a downward spiral, if you had a number of uh, negative things, is it harder to, to stop it? Or is it as easy to stop it at any point in the spiral? Oh, I think and, that's going to be so. Oh no, go on, sorry. And the same, the other direction. Like, are you at risk of it all, all, all falling over, no matter how much momentum you have behind it? I think so. But say when I talk about, right? So again, these this kind of a thing is just a useful heuristic to think about in in which direction is my action going, right? And and what is it manifesting? I think at the longer timescales, and that's why I'm talking about the longer timescales. So right over the course of ten years. Right. If you want to move in an upward trajectory over the course of 10 years for yourself, such that you really do feel that you've developed, right? There's developmental approaches, adult developmental approaches that offer some useful heuristics here that might be interesting for people to look into. So, for instance, uh, I guess the, the most famous, say, synthesis of those approaches is by a guy called Ken Wilbur. And he talks about growing up, showing up, waking up. And there's another up, but basically all of those areas capture some say line of development within which you could be developing. But if you think about, well, what is it that allows me to develop at the, say at the longer timescale, there's something about say not being shy, not being afraid of, of downward spirals, right? Because there's a lot to be learned there, but starting to being able to recover from them and more rapidly, right? So when we have the understanding of the upper spiral, I think that's what it 
that's what it gives us, right? It gives us a sense of where our action is presently located on these kinds of scales at different time scales or these le- these uh, kinds of, um, I suppose, scales at different time scales, right? So is it on an upward trajectory or is it on a, a downward trajectory? Uh, and can I interrupt the downward one if so? And can I do that more quickly over time, right? So when we think about the upward spiral at the longer time scale, we're really talking about being more resilient such that you can manage more complexity or manage more difficult tasks or manage, say, I suppose, you know, you situate yourself more maturely. And that is over time, the kind of accumulation of these many upward spirals at the shorter time scale. So, you know, over the course of a day, for instance. And I think this is just, you know, getting back to that systems-based approach rather than a goals-based approach. And rather than focus on outcomes specifically, focusing on, well, distilling your outcome into something different and saying, what is it that if I do every day just leads to that outcome or makes it more probable over time, right? Because I cannot guarantee the outcome, nor can I guarantee what I do every day, but I've more of a kind of handle on what I do every day than I do about an outcome at a, at a distal time in the future. And if I can be sensitive to that and what it is that I'm doing every day, just kind of maybe having some faith that whatever it is that's the longer term outcome is just a kind of consequence of that. So then you're asking yourself, well, how can I manifest these upward spirals as often as possible in my day, right? And how can I, say, cut off the downward spiral more quickly, right? And if you kind of have a sense of, well, I know because I keep track of it or I pay attention to it, that this kind of thing leads to this kind of thing in a negative trajectory. Well, then, you know, you just start to get a better sense of the, it's almost like you have a sensor for your own action, right? You all of a sudden kind of installed this capacity for feedback, right? Because you're paying attention to its course over time, right? So once you have a sense of, well, this is going in a bad direction, you can kind of interrupt it a bit better. And then you have a sense of, well, if I check off these five, six things, you know, I don't know, for instance, and this is where the, the notion of, of keystones becomes really valuable, right? Because keystones tend to be the things that instantiate upward spirals or maintain upward spirals. You know, if we're thinking about keystones, not in the context of a specific skill like jujitsu, but thinking about, you know, what are my keystones that keep the whole show on the road? So you might be talking about sleep. Am I getting enough sleep? Well, if I'm not, that's probably participating in the fact that I'm on this downward trajectory, maybe make an intervention there and start getting more sleep. And then you start, you know, in the opposite direction. So you're cutting it off kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, All those kinds of things. You know, what are the things that work for me? Um, Do you reckon it's useful to think that you're always in one of the two categories, that you're either in a downward or an upward spiral, you know, and maybe just being in a balanced state is enough for you to consider yourself in an upward spiral or maybe it's enough to consider yourself in a downward do you think the heuristic is to consider yourself in either camp just for the to make the most of it yeah i think there's a constant dance right between the two uh shit has fallen apart <laughs> we're on a downward trajectory we're fending it off and then you know we've we've we occupy some other frame all of a sudden now things turn around i think Certainly my experience has been over the years that the, the, the kind of valleys, the peaks and valleys 
thin out a bit, right? And you start to maintain more of a median. Now, not that I'm not prone to, you know, uh, downward spirals, I certainly am, but the ability to cut them off has certainly grown. And when I talk to people, say, who I meet and who, you know, you just have a sense that this person's been through some stuff, but they've kind of dealt with it in, in a way that has served them. You know, often you'll hear from those people, I don't know, call them, call them wise people, that, you know, that they, their their life has, has evened out to some extent, right? That maybe they don't have the same highs or aspirations, right? Aspirations in terms of getting so excited by something, but they probably don't have the same lows either. Mm. And there seems to be, yeah, there's a kind of trade-off. Now, you know, again, everybody's going to be so, so different. But I think having the system and saying to yourself, okay, well, what is it that instantiates, instantiates these things for me or triggers or motivates these things for me? And, you know, what we're trying to do is, remember I talked about action informing frames and then, you know, that function at longer timescales. What we're trying to do is act in certain ways often enough that we just build out these frames that are resilient, right? So there's a notion from systems theory called met- metastability. And metastability is basically the idea that it's, it's, it's like, I'm not going to be rigid, right? If I'm metastable, I'm, I'm capable of adapting and responding in a lot of different directions within the given context. Uh, so it's like a kind of a fluid stability almost. And I think, you know, what, what we're doing when we manifest these upward spirals often enough and at longer trajectories is we're kind of building out these frames that are, are these metastable frames that are relevant to a lot of situations, right? All of a sudden I become, say, capable and resilient within and across uh, multiple situations. Whereas, you know, there's, there's, there's a kind of a, a fending off of brittlety, right? And, and inviting in something else, which, you know, maps fairly well onto a notion like resilience or something. Mm. I think, um, you know, the, 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 the value in these things is, is just sometimes putting a name on something allows you to recognize it a bit more clearly and a bit more, I suppose, situate yourself with respect to it. Right. So you can kind of get a sense that what, what manifests upward spirals for you. And then you can say, Oh, and you know, these things are going to be very individual again. How can I introduce more of this into my life? It seems to be important. The same with downward spirals, right? So I talk about wrecking balls as the kind of inverse to keystones. And wrecking balls are are like behaviors which, I suppose, you know, it's quite obvious, right? They, they're, in some sense, they're loose and easy for, for one to engage in, right? They just, but, and maybe they're even fun, right? It's almost like you're hanging off this thing, but they leave the kind of ecology, they leave the garden in in a bad shape and, you know, it's a bit of an effort to clean it up afterwards. You know, for me, booze is definitely one of those things and it's not for everyone, right? Some people can booze and uh, get up the following day and be perfectly fine. When I booze, I get up and I, f- well, first of all, <laughs> I'm slow to get up. Second of all, I feel kind of dark and anxious. And then I'll notice like for for days after you know, I'm lethargic. Things just aren't working right for me. And, you know, if I can go, oh, that's one of my wrecking balls, right? 
well then it's like well at least when i engage it i know what i'm taking on i like i have a sense of this is going to rip through the ecology and it's, it's going to be it's going to be fun <laughs> it's going to be fun though right so it's like yeah exactly you're you're kind of equipped with uh i don't know a better sense of how these things are going to unfold for you right yeah so sometimes you need the odd wrecking ball just to 100 <laughs> percent. and like like you know sometimes the the most so so some people talk about um post-traumatic growth right sometimes the most upward spiraling thing at a longer time scale is it like a hard turn down right so i don't think you want to just have everything perfect all the time absolutely not now you want to embrace that that challenge and that struggle um but you know most of us most of the time are are <laughs> are struggling enough right just managing whatever it is that's the struggle of the everyday is probably enough for us were you uh, inspired? Uh, is that your term, wrecking ball, or did you borrow that from Miley Cyrus? <laughs> and Miley inspired me there, yeah. It's like her. I came in like a wrecking ball and <laughs> just wrecked the place. <laughs> like, do you have a sense, say, when when I say that to you, or not say it to you, but when when we're talking about it, would you be able to kind of point to yours or one or two of them, or would you find it helpful? Yeah, it's yeah. Labeling is always good for me. I think that's you know, I never, I never thought about my day to day activity as being in a upward spiral or downward spiral. Like spirals, still kind of you know, uh, I suppose contrived like this a strong uh, picture in my head. You know, it's like spiraling out. Of, it's like almost like out of control. You know, so so to me, it seems a, a little strong that word. But you know, knowing if I'm the, on the right side or the wrong side of it, I suppose I do that anyways. You know, like you say, and it usually means you know, it depends how the, how the day starts. And for me, I, I do like routine and whatnot. So if you get up and you you kind of you, I, I I work on the good side of my routine, or, um, and, and things start to start well during the day. I suppose that leads to having probably a better day. No, anything could change at any time during the day, you know, and it, it might flip in you, but, you know, try, trying to do the best from from the, the, the moment you wake, I suppose. But yeah, labeling is good. Labeling is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the, the visual of the spiral. And, you know, like you say, it's, it tends to start off small and thin and kind of grows, right, as it expands. And Yeah, no, know. no, for sure. So, right, when we're thinking about those things, now that we kind of have labels and, and kind of like a, a framework in the head, what made you think of upward spirals in, in terms of, you know, uh, jiu-jitsu? So, like, uh, and what I'm setting out to do to, to win the world masters. Right, well, I think when this baby comes, you know, it's, it's going to reconfigure the ecology quite drastically. And... What's going to be helpful for you when that does happen is being sensitive to what does function as upward spirals or downward spirals, right? Because all of a sudden you're going to have this novel, I don't want to reduce the baby to, to an eco-behavioral design term, but you know, a novel kind of constraint in your ecology. And it's going to function, I'm pretty sure from the start, like something like a wrecking ball, but presumably one of those positive ones where, you know, whatever recovery ensues uh, is, is, is kind of a, 
substantially positive over the longer term. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, the the sensitivity to it is, I think, what is what is interesting. So I've I've noticed myself like so you know I st- I start writing down what are my what are my wrecking balls what are my keystones bigger ones right at, at a longer scale that allow everything to hang together what are the downward spirals what are the upward spirals and once I have a sense of those things it's almost like and I I don't need, I, I should probably think of a better term but it's almost like you're installing sensors right which get triggered when certain types of things manifest in your experience right so if you're sensitive all of a sudden to how this thing functions within that uh milieu is it causing an upward or a downward trajectory well then you can kind of make more of it right you can amplify it or you can cut it off quicker so i think yeah for yourself that's going to be it's going to be an interesting one to keep track of yeah yeah will for sure that's interesting I just think like, yeah, for people that, you know, and again, I'm not trying to reduce people that, that hit rock bottom in certain areas to, to, to just like this whimsical sentence or whatever. But, you know, I wonder like people that do hit rock bottom and stuff like be more aware of this kind of thing would uh, lead them to be better equipped to deal with it before they reach rock bottom going forward or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like knowing where you are because, and I suppose the other part of that is like, also you mightn't always be aware yourself of where you sit. If you're in the upward or downward spiral, it might take others to point it out to you because you might, you might actually think you're, you're doing okay, but you're, 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 you're going the wrong direction. Yeah, that's a good point. Both good points. I, well, for me, I've cer- certainly say struggled with addiction over the years, and 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 you know bad habits and things along those lines. And um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say for for myself. You know which came first, the the awareness or the ability to to manage those things a bit better. But I've I see I seem to have noticed in myself. You know a lot of those tendencies. Um, you know my ability to cut them off before they actually spiral down to the point where you know now you're in a frame where you feel really shit about yourself and you know the the next stop is your own rock bottom whatever that is for the for the yeah. time being kind of thing so the awareness i suppose is the main thing you know if you're you know being aware can't hurt right what are we doing when when say we get a get our handle get a handle on a concept like this right we're really in effect training ourselves to see things differently and to see things that we wouldn't otherwise see right so once i have the notion of the upward spiral the downward spiral and i recognize them as say somehow living in some sort of inverse relationship to each other i'm really kind of disposing myself right i've produced another frame if you will that allows me to see things that I couldn't previously. I mean, all philosophy in some sense is this kind of training of perception and training ourselves to see things. You know, our, our concepts shape our ability to perceive things that we wouldn't otherwise perceive, right? Yeah. Um, so when we, you know, have this language, right, and it's systematic and it's integrated and it's attuned to behavior at a very fundamental level, it's almost like, so, so there's no, it's this, 
this idea of self-organization, right, which uh, is kind of at the heart of complexity science, which basically says interactions between, say, local components manifest these larger patterns over which there's no executive or central control, right? So think about a, 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 a kind of flock of starlings you know, the murmuration of starlings where they're, or say a, a shoal of fish where they're all tightly bound and they seem to be, you know, in this very coordinated dance together, right? That They're really clear examples of self-organization, but some people want to use that notion of self-organization and apply it to, say, human action too, and say, actually, what you're seeing manifest, you know, when when we act, is these very uh, self-organized patterns that you don't have all that much control over, right? They're just manifest within particular conditions, even if we have the sense that we have some control over them and that we can intervene on them or whatever. And, you know, what I think eco-behavioral design is doing, if it's doing anything, is kind of installing again this means to better self-regulate that process of self-organization like there's all sorts of weird contradictions in those terms but it's like all of a sudden you can shepherd or those processes better because you have the the kind of ability to see the process unfolding mm. so for me it's a you know, it's a powerful tool in that regard, right? Because all of a sudden this thing that was otherwise mysterious is still mysterious, right? It's still great. Like, you know, why do we act the way we act, right? There's no good answer to that. But having these ideas is useful because it shapes our action in certain ways and our ability to see our action in certain ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, ideas that are, you know, there's plenty of existing frameworks that do similar stuff, right? So stoicism, for instance, or even, you know, we talked about it before, the idea that, you know, you should take personal responsibility. If you can kind of embody that idea, right? It doesn't mean that it, it's, it's a kind of real thing in any real sense, but if you embody the idea, it shapes your action in a certain way or it has consequences on your action. Now, it might be good or it might be bad, but in a similar way, having these ideas and conceiving ourselves in a certain way equips us to better kind of relate to, to things. Mm. Mm. Cool. That's helpful. Yeah. So I hope, um, I hope that is helpful. You know, people are listening and they do find it helpful or they'd like me to clarify something or, you know, they've got better ideas. <laughs> I'm open to hearing them. Yeah. So if, if you've just joined us, uh, that was a nice introduction. <laughs> that was good. Uh, yeah. The logistical part, we, uh, we're doing a podcast called The Salt Podcast. If you want to get a better grasp on what we're talking about, and you thought we're going to be talking about jujitsu, um, but we're not as yet. We do, so stick with us. It's a, it's a podcast where I'm taking my efforts to win the World Masters Championship at Blue Belt in my weight and age category. And uh, my brother, Mark, who's been a... Um, talking about behavior for the last little bit is uh, exploring this idea of eco-behavioral design that he's been working on for a few years. If you want to, if you want to go back to the previous episodes, you'll get a better handle on it. If not, stick with us. 
and uh, try and pick up the pieces. Uh, if you don't like the podcast and you're not going to go back to the start, don't hold it against us. It does make more sense from the start. <laughs> but if, if you if you feel like you can't be bothered going through six episodes, don't hold the uh, the lack of context against us. It, there is more context if you explore all the other episodes. But uh, you're saying if people just jump in now, and yeah, well, I just have said don't hold it against us. It makes more sense from the start. If if it's not making sense, why we're talking about behavior and what's the, what's yeah. it got to jujitsu? Uh, stick I, with I, us. I, I get the impression that we will probably just keep revisiting stuff. But yeah, it definitely makes more sense to go back to the start. Yeah, yeah, we will. So I think we should do what we should do now is is just check in with where you're at, how things are going, how yeah. you feel. So I give design. you a check in. I give you a bit of a check in last week. I think the design's gone pretty good, and uh, you know this was uh, one of the, the factors that I hadn't planned for when we like w- w- we said it was originally a, a private goal, and we we're going to do this anyways, and then we decided to put it on audio format in case others might benefit, and that's also now become this motivation <laughs> yeah. because I am more accountable to which is, which is great for you <laughs> it's, right? it's great for me yeah <laughs> uh, so it's added and I'm not feeling pressure by it you know I'm still going to go about my business is that like I feel like I owe this this to you know the listeners you know um but I you know obviously there is a bit of an extra motivation there to but like we, we say, say, can I just say something there because yeah. I think that's an interesting point like we all have say our can have access to these kinds of motivators, right? And all of a sudden what we're just saying is now we exist in a community where there's certain expectations on us and that is functioning, right, as this set of constraints that are enabling certain forms of action and limiting other action. You know, if we insert or doing this in the eco-behavioral design framework, we can kind of make sense of it and you can see the value of it, right? You know, doing something in the context of a community is making that thing more likely to be done. Yeah, and we are, this week, we're going to be, our coaches uh, asked that we all come in with some jujitsu goals for the year. So obviously you know what my one is, so that'll be, you know, to try and win the World Masters. The uh, But the rest, the rest of the guys in, in the class will be bringing in theirs too. And, you know, you know, it's obviously not on, on the scale of a podcast, but it's in the scale of a community. So voicing them and, yeah, that's great. Uh, we're all going to be, I suppose, holding each other somewhat accountable in, in trying to achieve them. And it will be good because, you know, we don't know what each other's you know, jiu goals are necessarily. Right. And, you right. know, I think when I know, if I know a guy is starting, at the, or a girl, at the start of the year and, and, and they, they say what they want to achieve by the end of the year, knowing what their hopes are, you could definitely urge them along. Like if somebody just says, oh, I've, I don't really care. It's totally a hobby. Well, then you know when you're rolling with them that that's, that's all they want and that's fine. But you might see somebody else that you didn't know, you know, I'm dead set on getting my belt or I want these couple right, of stripes. Right, right, or, right, right. And knowing that, you, you know, you might be yeah. better able to, you know, coach or depending on what level they're at, I suppose, you know, if they're, if they're, if they've less experience than you, you, you might feel better about coaching them where you mightn't have otherwise. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting, like really pay attention, not to your, not just to yourself, but say how those dynamics unfold. Cause I think they'll be interesting to talk about on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I think, I think the potential there is, is quite substantial, right? Once yeah. you all have a, a, a shared sense of each other's kind of ambitions. 
Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, the kind of constraints, ye act as a different set of constraints on action than you did previously for each other. Yeah, it will be interesting. Yeah, because if we all have kind of like quite, um, I won't say aggressive, strong, but like uh, lofty goals, you know, you might actually feel the whole intensity uh, raise in the in the gym. Now, that won't be the same for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, it'd be each to their own. So we'd see. Yeah, but it will be interesting to observe if anyone's listening from the gym. Shout outs. See you during the week. Shouts out, Triumph. Shouts out. So, uh, yeah, so that, yeah, so that was just a, a side note, but we're doing that during the week. But, um, yeah, for me, oh, uh, yeah, great week, honestly. Um, so really, yeah, yeah, a few different things. Obviously, with the eco behavioral design stuff, I had this framework coming into this year. I'm doing all the stuff that you that we've talked about, you know, my, my checklist at the end of the day, understanding. What, what my game is my reminders going to the gym my little dashboard nice. uh, on the weekend so all that stuff is working pretty well Brilliant. and yeah now we're, I said the last episode they're going to start working in with the coach and that has kicked off this week so straight away a few different things that he's asked me to do one is to uh, uh, wear my gi to no gi class which I done yesterday so we do like two gi classes during the week and then there's no gi. So no gi for anybody that's not jujitsu practitioners, no kimono. You just wear like a rash guard and shorts or whatever. So I wore the gi and, um, you know, the logic there being I will find it harder to defend because people can grip me, but also find it harder to be offensive because everybody's slippy. So it's made my, my job a little bit harder you know, I'm in the gi, everybody else is in no gi on Saturdays. So that's, <laughs> so it, was a, it was a weird thing yesterday. Like uh, I couldn't get grips on anyone, but they could all get grips on me. So it was, it was good though. Maybe work harder. And um, Yeah, yeah, that's clever. Good and idea. the other thing we're doing differently is he's asked that both I and anybody I roll would keep score of how I'm going like IBJJF points wise in any particular role. And that's totally shifted my headspace as well because before i used to kind of roll and you know provided you either got the submission or you kind of finished the roll on top you'd almost feel like you won the roll but then actually been counting the points as you go made me realize like i'm losing a lot more rolls than i might have thought i was winning oh interesting and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe other people are training with that in mind and <laughs> you think you're smashing them but you're actually not yeah and you got these mini games going on like before you almost like it almost felt like you, you waited to decide on the how go, good the role would until the end of the role. Do you know what I mean? But now it's like, you know, when you're down in points, you're like, whoa, the, the dynamic is really shifting quite quickly. And it's like all these, I won't say like mini games, but they almost are. You know, if you, if you go two points down straight away, you're, you're, you're straight into... So it's more, it's, it's bringing more of the competition environment uh, for me. I noticed a huge difference this week. So, um, yeah, and then just... Um, on my game stuff again, just uh, you know, we're still working the wrestling stuff. We're still trying to shoot for takedowns, or you know, and that's I get a lot more confident with that now where I wasn't before, and that's like going to be the the building blocks to to get on top of my game. Like I think if if you look at the there's people that do these things that there's like I think there's another percent uh, podcast high percentage, and you can read these stats online on various websites, but. I think more often than not, if whoever scores first kind of wins, like whoever gets the takedown in a jiu-jitsu match is more often than not going to win the match. So like, mm. I really, if I can keep working these these takedowns, 
and get me into that top game, it's going to be a it's going to be the way to go. So, yeah. so going well, uh, going really well. But uh, yeah, I mentioned this as well before. But yeah, the intensity. What was the comment that was put to me during the week? Uh, what was the words? If we were if we're going to build you up, we have to break you first. <laughs> it's like so. Like it wasn't said like in a in a in a. In a tough way, it was just like it was a real. It was a, it was a fair comment. Is like you know, make me realize where I'm at. Like I got, yeah. got beat like nineteen nil, sixteen nil, twenty one nil. So like just destroyed, absolutely destroyed <laughs> all week. Like felt like I was. Oh, stop! Felt like I was doing jujitsu is my first day doing jujitsu, but it's great. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, yeah. You do. I think you do need that. I think the comment was meant like you know it was in jest, but it was also like a, a fair comment. It's like you kind of do need to 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 get you to where you are at before you start to kind of build off that. Versus me yeah. kind of having this ha- yeah, half yeah. idea in my head that oh yeah yeah I'm actually you know I should be pre-, you know it's like yeah because there's a lot of um a lot of false positives in jujitsu, isn't there? Because you know you're rolling with someone who's at a higher belt they're they're kind of chilling a little bit yeah. and you're having the sense that oh I'm smashing <laughs> yeah, past yeah, this problem yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's and you know yourself because you do it with white belts too and you know you can see the, the smirk in their face when you're just kind of chilling and they're like oh yeah <laughs> this, you know I've clearly got the better of this fella and you're kind of like oh you know but it is hilarious though isn't it like when 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 people do then turn it on it's like yeah, oh yeah, right <laughs> it's like right i'm you know i was like yeah you're yeah it'd probably be terrifying too like you know i suppose it you know if you, if you just turn it on with a, a white belt it just started killing them like you know sh- shoulders are just as full full kind of body weight it's unfair to say that just for a white belt too, but like, because there's lots of white belts that kill me even when I am trying to turn it on. You know what I mean? There's like, in, in our gym, there's, you know, there's plenty of good guys yeah, at white belt. Yeah. So, no, there's plenty of good guys at white belt too that, you know. Yeah, so, know you, mean, like, you know, on somebody that you aren't putting it on as hard as you could and then if you did, you know, it could be a worse situation. But um, to be honest with you, I, I, I do be generally going pretty strong the whole time. So like, there's not too many that if I, I could be saying, oh, if I just turned it on there, like I usually am trying to turn it on as, as much yeah. as I can. You, so. pro- you probably have a better sense of that because I've never fought competition. So I kind of don't really know, you know, what my kind of red zone is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like we said, we roll again. Roll again in May in a few months. Uh, on that, just like, you know, I, I touched on my game as well. We we didn't didn't go into game again during the week uh, class. It's just kind of um you know we're working on stuff and you know incorporating and all the stuff that I wanted my game anyway. So um yeah that'll just yeah. work itself out. But uh, I was listening to another podcast by Stephen Kesting. Shout out Stephen Kesting. Sure. He's a uh, he's got grapplearts dot com. If you're a jujitsu person or practitioner, you probably already know about it. If you're not and you're considering taking up jiu-jitsu it's a great resource i think both you and i when we started i think you directed me to his, his website and he's got a free ebook i'm assuming it's still there 
it talks you through the hierarchy of positions for jujitsu. And I remember at the time, because I was just going to class going, what am I even doing here? Like, yeah. you know, what, what am I actually doing? <laughs> I didn't even well, know what I was supposed to be doing. Like, am I supposed to be on the top or the bottom or what am I doing? And then that ebook, if you're, especially if you're in your first couple of months, it's a, your first couple of weeks, it's a great thing to understand. It talks about, you know, the hierarchy of positions and, and where you want to be heading in everything you do. So shout outs to, to Stefan. And um, he had a podcast, he has a podcast called the Strenuous Life Podcast. And he does like, you know, from time to time, he'd won last week and it just happened to be around the same time that we we're talking about game planning. And he talks about, I think somebody had asked him a question on Instagram and just asked him about game planning and his advice. He's a black belt. He's actually a black belt under a guy that I trained in, in uh, Vancouver, um, Marcus Suarez. And, oh, uh, really? Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah, but he's um uh, he was talking about game planning. Someone asked him, was like, you know, just like what I'm doing is like, how would you plan your game or whatever? And his kind of advice and, you know, best to listen to the episode in full if anybody's interested, you'll find it on iTunes or whatever. But his advice was like, you know, at white belt, you just don't know enough. So it's like, you know, just, just go to collect techniques, start knowing a couple of things from every position. You know, don't worry too much about game planning. Just trying to, you know, every position, I suppose, have a couple of ways to get out of it. And he said that for white belt and for like, you know, early blue belt. And I suppose mm-hmm. that probably still does apply to the likes of us. You know, we're, we're I suppose, midway blue belts because there is still some areas, like even in the, the hierarchy positions that I wouldn't have like maybe two good, strong you know, escapes from or whatever. So that's still important to kind of work on that to make sure I have every kind of area covered and then create a game off the back of that. But, but for me, I, you know, outside of one or two positions, I kind of feel like I have a, a general grasp of all the positions and, you know, I'm okay in, in those areas. So probably as you get to midway through blue belt or to the later stages of blue belt, it's probably, he, he didn't advise against them starting to create a game. So, you know, I think, what we're doing isn't hurting what we're doing. Yeah, but it's probably, um, yeah, if, if you are white belt listening to this, probably uh, advice yeah. worth Yeah, it is actually, that's good advice, right? Like if you're a white belt and you're thinking, you know, we're, we're not just instructors, you know, all we could do is speak about our own experience, but it is good advice if you are a white belt to probably, mm. you know, just turn up to class, collect a good few yeah. techniques, understand the positions, understand, you know, get one or two things from each area but it is also helpful, and I know both you and I have spoke about this, you know, to, and we're, we, you talked about labeling early in your episode uh, about uh, concepts. And if you are listening to this, you obviously don't mind us in the podcast. And there's another podcast called BJJ Mental Models, which is we've found beneficial. It's by the Quan Brothers. Shout outs, brothers on podcasts. But uh, <laughs> they're, uh, they, they go through a. Uh, BJJ mental models. So they, they talk about a different aspect of jujitsu each week and uh, put in a, in a kind of like a, almost like a system based or a, a mental model kind of a, a base framework for, for, to make it easier to understand. Um, mm. And they use uh, a lot of the stuff that Rob Bernacki, who is the Island top team, uh, some of the concepts that he uses, who actually uses them with Stefan Kesting. So that was a relationship there. They've got apps together and there's plenty of YouTube videos where they talk about it. They talk about alignment, you know, base, posture and structure. And we don't need to go into that here or maybe we will in a different episode, but they are great resources too if you're looking for some uh, some other audio kind of 
supplementary support to what you're doing with your 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 coaching and your and your training yeah my feeling is that you know that kind of conceptual stuff is not is not bad at um a white white belt either no you know and having a sense of that from the start it would definitely be helpful i guess when you're starting out right you're looking for those heuristics and those the simplexity right because it's so overwhelming you're just like whoa what do i do and yeah you know somebody pointing out i don't know maybe that you should just say focus on the hips when when people are trying to pass your guard for a while or whatever you know those little kind of yeah. um channeling your attention in particular ways is is really helpful and those mental model guys uh, do a great job of that like base for instance like if you went in into your first few weeks if you just if all you're trying to consider is like removing the other person's base and maintaining your base it's probably not a bad effort for your first few weeks and the same with your posture you kind of do end up uh hearing that from people you roll with and from <coughs> coaches but if you want some some more supplementary stuff that kind of dives deeper on it yeah the podcast and and, and bernacki stuff is uh is good yeah i should say the um you know if you're a white belt though don't say throw the baby out with the bat water and uh, think that EBD is not potentially valuable for you. What we're advising against is using it to instill a game at this point. Yeah. Um, you could still use the exact same principles and, and kind of distill for you what is uh, the outcome and think about what are your behaviors, you know, what, what are the kinds of things that are going to lead to that. And if it's just gather as much technique as possible so you can figure out uh, or start to figure out what works for you and what doesn't, well, then you can use the EBD process to kind of think about how are you making sense of your game? You know, are you taking notes on it? Have you those notes reasonably accessible? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Right. I think uh, we're probably episode, we've probably got an episode and all of that there. So do you want to throw an answer into the, into the mix? Before we wrap it up, I don't think so. I think that's that's, that's where we're at now. Yeah. So, all right. So we'll we'll catch up next time. What are we going to talk about next time? No decisions made yet. No decisions made, but uh, there's plenty of plenty, plenty of content. Plenty. So, uh, in the, the words of Kurt Osiander, go train. <laughs> all right. Ciao. Ciao. Yep.